Our last reading is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. The Gospel of John, chapter 20. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrap, wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, entered the tomb, and they saw the linen wrappings lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple, who had come first to the tomb, then also entered and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Father, once again, we thank you for the scriptures and for the account of the resurrection in the Bible. And now as we open up the word of God and we study and we look at the resurrection, Father, we just pray that the Spirit would teach us and that you would give us great insight into the scriptures, that we might embrace you as Mary embraced you, and that we would cherish you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we look at the risen one. Who is he? We take a look at what the Bible says about Jesus Christ as the risen one, and we want to work our way through some passages up to the resurrection story as we're dealing with this, this, uh, this entire idea of who is he? What is it that Jesus declared about himself? What did other people declare about Jesus? Who is he, and what does that mean for us today? The Old Testament prophets talked about a coming one. They talked about a Messiah. They talked about a deliverer. They talked about one who would come and be great and do great things. When the angel came and told Mary and Joseph on two different occasions about the fact that they were going to have a baby, they, the angels used some interesting words. They used words like this, Emmanuel, Jesus, Son of the Most High. They said that he would reign. The angel said that the Holy Spirit would come upon you, Mary. 
said that Jesus would be the Son of God. They said that this baby would save his people from their sins. Those are some remarkable descriptions of a baby that hasn't been born yet. Those are some remarkable words telling us about who this Jesus is. Just these phrases alone in the, what we call the Christmas story make us understand that this is serious stuff. That this Jesus is important. That who he is is vital. The Bible says that he grew and he learned. And yet what we have in the Bible is that he stayed silent. He didn't say much. It's not recorded for us. We have a few things here and there. We really know nothing about him at all until the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And obviously, it starts after what we call the Christmas story with Matthew and Luke. It begins when Jesus is an adult and about to start his ministry. In John, chapter 1, on two different occasions, John the Baptist sees him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, and points toward Jesus. Jesus didn't correct him. He didn't question him. He didn't say not quite or almost. He accepted that name. He accepted that title on two different occasions. Behold, the Lamb of God. And the next day, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. A description of who this man is. Now, we want to wander through the Gospels and look at a couple others. Go to John chapter 3. So we have the Lamb of God. We have all of the descriptions that the angels gave and pronounced upon him before he was even born. And then in John chapter 3, we read some other things. We want to look at a handful of passages working our way up to the resurrection story that talks about who Jesus is. John chapter 3, verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Two titles in this passage. The first one, is found in verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The Son of Man is taken from the Old Testament, mostly Daniel, and in Daniel that phrase is used to talk about he who is divine. It was not a description of a person who was a man. It was not a description of a human. It was a description of the divine one who was taking on flesh and becoming like man. It was a description that Jesus used of himself often, and we read about in the Gospels over and over again, but it was a description that when these saints in this day and age read this and knew the Old Testament would immediately know what it was referring to, Son of Man. Also in this passage, we have Son of God. It is described to us in this passage very clearly that not only is he the Son of God and the Son of Man, but it describes very clearly for us that he is God who takes on flesh. He's God in the flesh. He is humanity. And so we understand that that's who he is, and so we have a description, the begotten Son of God, the unique one, the special one, the one and only is what that begotten means. Go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. 
John chapter 8, beginning at verse 48. The Jews answered and said to him, Do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon, referring to Jesus? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me, but I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste of death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you said he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. This was a phrase that they would have understood quite well. This is a phrase that goes back to Exodus chapter 3. Moses was in the wilderness and he saw that bush that was burning but was not being consumed. And he went up to investigate. And a voice came out from that burning bush declaring to him that he should take off his sandals because the ground that he was walking on was holy ground. And God had a conversation with Moses that day and he talked to Moses about the fact that I want you to go and I want you to do this task for me. I want you to lead my people out of the nation of Egypt. I want you to set them free and take them somewhere else. I want them to build a nation out of these folks. And Moses said, well, who do I say has sent me? They're going to ask me, who is it that told you this? What am I supposed to say? And the answer from that in Exodus chapter 3 is, I am that I am. You tell them that I am that I am sent you. And in Hebrew, that phrase, I am that I am, it means self-existent one. The one who has always been. Every Jew would have known that story. Every single leader of the nation of Israel certainly would have known that story. These people that Jesus was talking to right now would have known that story. And so when Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying. He was saying, I'm God. I am the self-existent one. I am the fulfillment of all of what the Old Testament writers have talked about, all of the prophets have talked about. I am Messiah. God is in your midst right now. And we know that they understood that because in verse 59 it says, therefore they picked up stones to throw at him. They were going to kill him because he made the clear declaration that I am. And so that's another title we have of who Jesus Christ is in the Gospels. Turn with me to chapter 11. Chapter 11. In chapter 11, we have Jesus interacting with some people once again. This is the story of Lazarus. Jesus was very good friends with Lazarus and Martha and Mary. He was very good friends with them. 
what happened was Lazarus got sick, and so the sisters sent word to their dear friend Jesus, Lazarus is sick, come quickly and help us out. The Bible tells us that Jesus stayed put for another couple days where he was, and Lazarus died. The disciples said, Lord, you know, it would have been good if, if we would have been there, and, and they talked about some other things, and Jesus said, you know what, God's going to be glorified here. Come and watch, be with me, God's going to be glorified in some interesting ways here. They get there. Lazarus has been dead for a while. He's already in the tomb four days, the Bible tells us. Jesus comes to near Bethany, it says in verse 18, and, and many Jews come. They'd come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha went to Jesus and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. It's a fair statement on her part. We sent word to you that we needed you. Our brother was sick. The one you love, the one we love, we needed you. You didn't come. He wouldn't have died if you would have come. Verse 22. She did say, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. You have ability to do amazing stuff. You can fix this still. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Remember we talked a little bit during Sunday school, and we all looked at 1 Corinthians 15. But in the adult class, we talked specifically about the fact that, that the Old Testament talked about resurrection. Here we have, in effect, an Old Testament saint who is saying, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She believed in the resurrection. Keep in mind, Jesus was on the earth still. He hadn't been uh, crucified. He hadn't died, hadn't been buried, hadn't been risen, raised from the dead yet. And so this is an Old Testament saint, in effect. And she's saying, I know he'll be raised on the resurrection day. She believed in the resurrection. And Jesus said to her this. He said, I want to teach you something that is more important than just understanding that one day there will be a general resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus declared himself to be right here the resurrection and the life. He took his description a little bit further, if you will. He took it to a little bit more detail, if you will, than the last time in John chapter 8. He said, I'm not only the great I am, but I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the one that raises people up. I'm the one that gives people life. I'm the one that sustains life. This is who I am. I am the resurrection and the life. And the words that I say matter and are important and are significant. I am the one who is all about life. And these are good words for us today, by the way, aren't they? He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Those are good words to cling to. And then he said, do you believe this? And she said, well, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God. And so now we have another description of him. So he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And then she answered and said, you're the Christ. You're the Son of God. He didn't correct her. He didn't argue with her. He accepted that praise. He accepted that title. And so now we know that he is also the Christ, along with the Son of God, the Son of Man, the resurrection and the life. He is 
the I am. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Jesus Christ confirms this one more time in John chapter 14. He says, as he's talking to his disciples, right before he was turned over to the authorities, right before he was led off to be tried and to be crucified, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you might be also. And, 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 and he said, and you know the way. And Thomas said, Lord, we're not sure where you're going. We're not sure of the way. We're a little confused here. And Jesus clarified it and said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So now we see a little bit more about who this Jesus is. He said he's the way, the truth, and the life, and there's just one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. And this is a pretty significant and important passage of Scripture, obviously. There's just one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. Just one way, and that's through Jesus. You can't go through another God. You can't go through a, another system. You can't go through religion. You have to go through Jesus. There's just one way to the Father, and the reason why you have to go to, through Jesus is because he's the way, the truth, and the life. I am the answer, he said. So we learn a little bit more about Jesus here, and it's pretty significant. Let's go down to verse 7 of this same chapter, John 14, 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to us, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So at this point, Jesus goes one step further, and he says, I and the Father are one. He's been declaring that all along, but he does it in real easy-to-understand words right here. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. That's how it works. Do you, in verse 10, do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Do you believe that the words I say are the words of the Father? That's who I am. <clears throat> and so we see another description of him. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. And in Matthew chapter 16, it is a significant portion of Scripture about who Christ is. Matthew chapter 16, the disciples had been with him for a little while. They had been following him. They had been learning about him. Matthew chapter 16, verse 30, 13. Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? There is that title again, the Son of Man, okay? God in the flesh. And they said, well, some say John the Baptist and other Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And you can imagine that at this point they were kind of looking at each other and saying, people are over the map. The truth of the matter is nobody is really sure exactly who you are at this point. There's a lot of answers to that question, and we're pretty confused. And Jesus said to them, but, okay, but who do you say that I am? Let's, let's walk away from those folks for a while. And let's just concentrate with you guys right here. Who do you say that I am? And in verse 16, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the Most of the Living God. You are Him. You are the Son of the Living God. We learn a little bit more about Him here. He's the Christ, the Sent One, the Messiah, the Deliverer. And He is the Son of the Living God, as we read earlier. The only begotten, the unique one, He is this person. Let's go to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, verse 1. Then the whole body of them got up and brought him before Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. So Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered and said, It is as you say. So now we have another description added to who he is. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king. We know what king means. We understand the concept of all of that. So now we, we have a pretty good picture of who Jesus is with a handful of these passages here. We haven't gone into great depth. We certainly haven't covered all the passages that, that we can find in all of the Gospels that talk about that, but we have a lot of them. He's the Lamb of God. He's the only begotten of the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He's the great I Am. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the Christ, the Son of God who even comes into the world. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He and the Father are one. He's the King of the Jews. So we understand a little bit about who he is, right? And he made those declarations, and he accepted the declaration from other people concerning who he was. So really, if you would have paid attention, as we read the Gospels and we're reading a history of what went on, if you would have paid attention, by the time it came to the end of the Gospels, close to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, you would have known who he was. He laid it out pretty clearly throughout his life on a regular basis. Okay? So we, we, we understand who he is. And in understanding who he is at this point, we need to take Jesus and we need to exalt him, don't we? He's God. He's the Holy One. He's the creator of all the universe. He is the I am, okay? He is God, and that is very clear. Then, a corner is turned, and against all logic, against all rational thinking from humanity's way of thinking, Jesus makes a few statements. Mark chapter 8. We've come to grips with who you are, God. We've come to grips with who you are, Christ. We've come to grips with who you are, I am. We've come to grips with who you are, Son of God. We've come to grips with who you are, Son of Man. We've come to grips with who you are, Messiah. We've come to grips with who you are, way, truth, and life. We've come to grips with who you are, the resurrection and the life. And then Jesus starts talking like this. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. 
And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he was stating the manner plainly, it says in Mark. Plainly. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, 22. And while they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he'll be raised on the third day. And they were deeply grieved. Go to Matthew chapter 20, verse 17. As Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves, and on the way he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and on the third day be raised up. Go over to Matthew chapter 26. Verse 1, when Jesus had finished all these words, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. Can you imagine the disciples and the difficulty that they had in grasping all of this? You have declared yourself to be the I Am, the begotten Son of God, the resurrection and the life, the Christ, the living one, the Messiah, the King of the Jews. You're one with the Father. You're the life and the resurrection. <clears throat> You're the way, the truth, and the life. How can you possibly say that you're going to be turned over and you're going to be suffering and you're going to die? How can you do that? How can you say that? And how in the world are we supposed to get a handle on that? Mark chapter 8. We'll go back to what we read. We'll finish reading a little bit of Jesus began to talk. We stopped right in the middle of Mark chapter 8 verse 32. It says in Mark 8, 32, and he was stating the matter, the matter plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing the disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not set in your mind on God's interest, but on man's. Whoa. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That makes all the sense in the world to me. I understand that they understood that he was God. I get that. And I understand that rebuking God is a pretty serious matter. But this God that they were living with just said that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. You can understand a disciple taking him aside and say, no, I don't, that doesn't, no, no, whoa, wait. You can't let that happen. You can't do that. You have power over this thing. You need to stop that. You need to avoid those people. You need to go to another area. You need to do something different. You can't do that. I can understand him saying that. That makes all the sense in the world to me. And Jesus, he looked to the one who was making those, those challenges, and he said, get behind me, Satan. For you are not set in your mind on God's interest, but on man's. You want me to stay and be safe. You don't want me to endure. 
You don't want me to die. You don't want me to go through all of that. But you need to understand that's man's perspective. God's perspective is something different. But again, they lived with him. They followed him. They watched him heal. They watched him take care of people. They watched him raise people from the dead. They watched him restore lives. They watched and listened to his kingdom teaching. They heard him say words with authority that they'd never heard by anybody before. They were following this man, expecting him to restore Israel. Suffer? Die? No. That can't be. And yet we know that that's exactly what happened, isn't it? That is exactly what happened. In a garden of prayer, a mob came to take him. He offered absolutely no resistance. He went with them. The Bible uses phrases like, as a sheep led off to the shears, he, he didn't utter a word. From this ruler to that ruler to this ruler to that ruler, he went. Mocked and abused, slapped and beaten, ridiculed, crown of thorns stuck on his head and his brow. Finally, whipped, scourged, the kind of whipping that often took someone's life, led away to be crucified, struggling to carry the crossbeam. Someone else finally had to do it. Thrust down on the ground in heavy Iron wrought nails driven through his wrist and driven through his feet, hanging on that cross for some six hours. Darkness over the face of the earth for three of those. Finally, surrendering his life and yielding up his spirit and declaring that these don't know what they're doing, forgive them. Declaring that I commend my spirit, my soul to you, Father. And crying out, it is finished. Watching then somebody stick a sword into his side to make sure that he was dead, to test whether the bodily fluids had done what they do when a person dies or not, and they had. They took him off that cross. They watched as he was buried in a borrowed tomb. They watched as that rock that huge boulder was laid in front of that tomb. And oh, how the world of the followers of Jesus had to be rocked. The I am. The resurrection and the life. The Son of God. We watched him. Let them do this to him. They killed him. He died. They buried him. What a dark day. What a dark, terrible weekend. But God wasn't done, and we know that. At the cross, at his death, 
the centurion and the soldiers around him who were keeping guard and who were doing their job, Roman soldiers, when they saw the earthquake, when they saw what was happening, when they took all of the events in, their declaration was, truly, this was the Son of God. And yet here he was, dead. God can't die, can he? Well, we read it this morning. Let's review a few of those verses again. Matthew chapter 28. It says, now on the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said, come, see the place where he was lying. Mark chapter 16. Verse 5, entering the tomb, they saw the white young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. Go tell his disciples he's alive. Luke chapter 24. Six and seven. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise up. The Son of God cannot be killed. He is alive. But let's, let's follow the story through. Let's go to chapter 20 of John now. Chapter 20 of John, verse 19. So when it was evening on, the, on that day, on that resurrection day, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced. When they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. He said, It's a brand new day. And you guys are about to set the tone. And you're going to lead the world in this thing called church. The church. Verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger in the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I need to see him and I need to touch him and I need to see those holes. Well, verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them and Jesus came, the doors having been shut, stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Okay, hey, T 
Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here with my, your hand and put it in my side and don't be unbelieving but believing. Thomas, here I am. Take a look. Here I am. So they told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And he said, I don't know about that. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I need, I need to see him. I need to touch him. And so God, in his graciousness, eight days later, he appeared, and there it is. And the Lord went right to Thomas and said, here I am. Look, touch, feel, see. It's me. And I want you to notice then, once Thomas saw, and Jesus did what he did for him, Thomas said in verse 28, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. All the names that we went through earlier, all the titles that we went through earlier, they can all be wrapped up right here. My Lord and my God, you are God. You are the life and the resurrection. You are the I Am. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. You are the Son of Man. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You're the God, and you're the Lord. And you're my God, and you're my Lord. And I do see, and I do believe. On that resurrection day, all that we had learned about him, all that we had known about him, everything that had gone on, it all came to this point. Everything that Thomas had learned about him, everything that Thomas had seen, it came down to this one moment right here. Here I am, Thomas. Look, touch, see. My Lord, my God, that's who you are. You're just not a, a man who somehow is alive again. You are the Lord. You're the master. You're in charge of it all. And you're the God. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16 and put your finger there because we're just going to flip on this, and then go to John chapter 11 and put your finger there, okay? And even though you have 10 fingers, we'll stop there. So Thomas, he said, my Lord and my God. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to them in verse 15, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. John chapter 11, verse 26, 25 and 26, sorry. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And after all of that, after all of those verses, after weaving that story for you, after looking at those, here's what it boils down to this morning. Resurrection Day 2018 for you. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? 
Thomas said, not only are you Lord and God, you're my Lord and my God. Jesus looked at Martha and said, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter said, you are the Christ. He was coming to the world. Who are you observing today? Who are you worshiping today? And in all honesty, more important than that, who are you observing and who are you worshiping tomorrow? This is a great weekend. This, this is a wonderful weekend. We had a Friday night service. We had a Sunday morning sunrise service. We have this service with the, the music and the extra little bit of extra people helping out, the extra singing. Great song. We have, it's a great, wonderful thing. And anybody can be a part of this particular thing. Who do you say he is tomorrow? Who do you say the risen one is? Because that question matters, just like it mattered with Peter, and it mattered with Martha, and it matters with Thomas. And of all the questions you're ever going to be asked in all of your life, the most important one is right now, who do you say that Jesus is? And I'll be honest with you, I don't care how long you think you've been a Christian. I don't care how long you have been a Christian. It doesn't matter what your history is or what your past is or who you are. It matters with what, how we deal with that question right now in our life. Who do you say that he is? Because if you say that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, if you say that he is the way, the truth, and the life, if you say that he is the life and the resurrection, if you say that he is the, the Christ, the one that has come into the world, if you say that he is the one who is your Lord and your God, well, then that requires something of you. And if you say that he's anything less than that, then I say to you that you are denying the Lord God of the universe, the creator, and you need to fix that. Because Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one who came to give you life, is alive, and you need to come to grips with him. Who do you say that he is? And the answer is going to dictate what happens in your life tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that and forever. And the Bible has laid it out. And it's laid it out incredibly well. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Is he your Lord or is he just God to you? Big difference. Big, big difference. We looked at this in Sunday school in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says that when the perishable puts on imperishable, then the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory comes to pass. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who do you say that he is? What is death to you? And you know exactly the answer to that question. Jesus Christ changes it from it's an incredibly fearful unknown 
to it's a, a thing that I can have confidence going through because I know on the other side is my Lord and my God. Because Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but through me. I want to share with you as we wrap up here this morning that some interesting words in Matthew. After Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said to, to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven revealed this to you. If you're ever going to come to grips with the fact that he is this Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, if you're going to come to grips with it and, and confess that he is my Lord and my God, it's because God is working in your life and getting you to that point. And the thing that I want to say to you is this, if the Lord is wooing and calling and moving in your heart today, don't reject him. Embrace him, accept him, and believe in him. And it's a simple thing. You believe in him. Yes, Lord, I do believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yes, Lord, I do believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Yes, Lord, I do believe that you were buried and that you rose again on the third day. I believe that you did this for me. Be saved today if you're not. And if you are saved, you need to walk out of here understanding that we have been celebrating the risen one, the Lord, the God, the way, the truth, and the life. Have you been living that way lately? that that's who he is? Do you need to make some adjustments maybe in your life so that you're living and worshiping the true risen one who is the Christ, the living one, the son of God? We can't let this just be a celebration that is a celebration. It's got to be grander than that. It needs to be life-changing because the thing we celebrate today is indeed life-changing. Who do you say that I am, Jesus says. There's just one right answer. And there's one way to get to that answer. And that's through believing in Jesus Christ.